Hello, friends. I'm Brian Peart, and I want to welcome you to the Great Awareness Podcast, a podcast focused on helping Christians make sense of this world we are in. The goal is to encourage, but never at the expense of truth. We will take the truth found in Scripture and apply it to the real spiritual battles going on today. We will ignore preconceived beliefs, news media noise, and politicians' words, and look at actions, what is really going on. Then use the truth of Scripture to accurately discern the times and how we need to respond. Jesus said in John 8.32, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that is what we are going to attempt to do with each podcast. Get to the truth so we can live as we've been called. Today's podcast is called Shifting Sands, and it emanates from the words of Jesus in Matthew seven twenty four through 26, where he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus says here that if you listen to my words and do them, you're building on a firm foundation, a rock. He echoes this again in John fourteen fifteen, where he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And what's the greatest commandment according to Jesus? Love God and love others. As he says in Matthew 22, uh, 37 through 39, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you identify with Jesus, if you say you are a Christian, your life should be characterized by a fervent love for God and a fervent love for others. So the first question is, does it? Is God the first thoughts of your day, your constant companion during the day, and your final thoughts at night? Are the dominant thoughts of your day worry, fear, concern, and self? Or are they focused on serving and loving others? So with so many people saying they're Christians, why do so few really end up living this way? And one thing I think happens, one reason, is because we water down our identity. This, too, I believe, is a scheme of the devil. He's always trying to get our eyes off of Jesus. So if he can get us identifying with other things, we can stay distracted and off course. What are these identities? How do they happen? And then how can we change? Because at the end of the day, these identities are shifting sands. So as I was thinking through this, one of the big identities you see all the time are in, in politics, right? People say they're a Republican or they're Democrat. They're, they're identifying with that. They're a Trumper or they're a leftist or whatever. And identifying with any of these leads ultimately to a faith in something that cannot stand. Social media exacerbates this where you watch a feed that's maybe a Republican feed and all of a sudden the, the social media algorithms continue to feed you more of that type of thing and, and the same if it's a Democrat. So, so you end up getting fed a constant diet of the dribble that's in line with those thoughts and that creates more and more identity with that type of, um, and then almost a hatred for the other. And, and the end result we see is hate. If you post comments, you know, you get some attaboys or whatever, all of a sudden that identity is being affirmed and, and, and it's becoming a part of you. And so when someone offers an opposing view, they're, they're attacking your identity. And, and what ends up happening is, is the two sides hate each other. And when you see hate, you know, that, that it's wrong, that, that, it's the end result of something that's not right, okay? The government's going to let you down. Um, I hate to break it to you, but but the government's going to let you down. Now, I'm not talking, I think local politics 
can still work really well. You know, I, I've seen where a proactive city council has been able to change the whole paradigm of a city and and be progressive and, and be helpful. So I think in, in the local um, arena, I think I think government can still have the impact it was intended. But when you get national, it costs millions to become a senator or a, or a house rep. And, and so you have to get donations. And then those people, when they start giving you money, will expect you to help them and assist them. So now all of a sudden you start getting money, power, corruption involved. And when you get to that national scale, you're really talking about it's all about power. It's all about money. It's not about serving the people. I'm not getting a call from my senator uh, saying, hey, Brian, what should we be focusing on? Um, no one who's probably listening to this call is getting such calls because it's, it's, it's not on the forte. If you, if you look at the media, everything from the Republican side is spun towards, towards gaining power at this upcoming midterm elections. Everything from the Democrat side is spun to try to to keep power at these midterm elections. Almost everything is geared toward these midterm corrections. And what we know is this, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And ultimately, that government, that entity, whether it's Republican or Democrat, even if you think certain things they believe are right or wrong, at the end of the day, they're all on the same team, and that's growing that government. And, and ultimately, that government is corrupt even if they went in with good intentions they have now become corrupt because they're part of a system that has power and power corrupts so so if we put our faith in in our identity and things like the government we can we can we can end up being it's shifting sands we can end up being uh distracted and distressed some people don't put their faith in that they they identify with their success or with money or or their faith is in their wealth you know, maybe they're a millionaire or they claim when they asked what they are, they're a successful business owner. My identity back in the early 2000s was a successful Christian business owner. That's who I was. And it sounds great. <clears throat> sounds, you know, wow, you're a successful Christian businessman. And, and I gave to charities and I served in my local church. I did all the good things that a good Christian man would do. But underneath it, it was still all about me. There was an, a deep identity underneath where I was never good enough. And once I became a Christian, I was just trying to prove through my Christian successes that God was blessing me and that I was indeed good enough. At the end of the day, it was all about me. It wasn't about Jesus. It was, it was pride. And I know that. And I'll give you an example of how I know that and how I, you can see it in the lives of of maybe yourself or others that you know, um, but I, I challenge everyone to look deep within. And, and back in 2007, I was getting ready to buy some land. You can't get 50, 60 acres of land and not have a truck. So I had to end up buying a truck, right? So I went down to the Toyota dealership to buy a Toyota Tundra. I hate car dealerships. Uh, maybe the Carvana thing is better now. Maybe the you know, order online is better now. But back then, Every time I had to buy a, a car, it was an annoying process. They got to check with the manager, and, and it's a negotiation for hours, and you're just sitting there. And it's, So I already had a bad attitude going into the thing. So I walk into the dealership, and they just treated me horribly. They, they, um, they, they were taking care of other people, not me. They were, they were 
playing games with the money and, and going back and forth. And the person had to go back to the manager to check like four or five times. I finally blew up at the person. Just let them have it. You know, and, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, don't they understand? I've got a business. I've got to get back to things. I'm, I'm a busy person. I'm an important person. And, and how can they do this? And, and although I may not have said those things, that was the impetus behind the blow up. And, and as the, the saleswoman went back to the manager for the, like the 18th time, this time with her tail between her legs because I blew up at her, I look over and there's this little old lady looking at me. I, I do one of these. I go, I know, right? You know, like saying, can you believe what, what I'm experiencing here? And she just shakes her head and she goes, the problem, dear, is you're wearing a tie with a cross on it. Ah, oh, it was like only, only, only a little old lady could, could cut me to the heart like that and leave me with nothing to say in response. I was representing Jesus in a really poor way by blowing up in that, in that dealership, um, for for the horrible crime of not treating me like I was some deity and 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 so it was very much like the pharisees okay it, when jesus came the pharisees were perfect like they followed the law to the letter they were the good guys they were the the attaboy christian you know the 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 similar to the day when you have someone who just follows the letter they're just they're just someone that everyone looks at and says yeah that guy's a great christian he's this or that the Pharisees, it wasn't from the love of Jesus. It was from the keeping of the law and, and trying. It was about pride. It was about being better than everybody else. And so you could see that 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 Pharisaic thing on, on the inside of me. I I had a lot of pride. And, and God lovingly crushed me. Um, within a year or two, he completely took my business out, took my wife from me too. And so in the end, I was just, my whole identity successful married Christian businessman was completely gone. It was a failed business now, a, 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 a divorced guy. And, and, and now God was able to start building back my real identity in him. And that I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish my 2009 through 2011 years on my worst enemy, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because what happened is God grew me out of that horrible, prideful place where I was at and began to grow me into to someone that, that I, I actually don't mind being around, right? Search your heart. If your faith is in your money, if it's in your success, it can get stripped away. It's like shifting sands. We are watching right now as a lot of wealth is disappearing um, because of the markets going down and, and, and f- people's 401ks are disappearing. And, and you know, people aren't freaking out completely yet because they're confident that things are going to come back. But it can go the other way. It can just take it all out. So all that retirement could be gone. Those things can happen. And, and it seems like if we look at the actions, not the words, but the actions, the Federal Reserve is almost working hard to hurt the economy. Um, I know the words say they're trying to help it by stopping inflation, but jacking up the rates doesn't actually directly help inflation. Uh, it can cause a recession or a crash, and that will bring inflation back down because it limits demand, but, but it's not actually. And, and so they puffed it all up on fake money, and now they're popping the balloon pretty quickly. To me, that seems like someone that's actually got an ulterior motive, and that's actually to take down the, um, the country, to hurt the country, not to help it. Again, I'm just, I'm just looking at the actions 
and what they tell us, not at whatever. But at the end of the day, you want to look at your actions, okay? When things start going wrong, what do you do? Do you rest in Christ or do you try to control the chaos and do it yourself, work harder? If so, there's another identity there. Maybe you identify as a hard worker because your parents were hard workers and, and, and you, you, you're a control person because they were control people. Or, or maybe you identify as a hardworking, strong, single mom. Whatever it is, that identity is not Christ, right? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So when things don't go our way, Jesus wants us to still trust him. He wants us to rest in him. He wants us to to let him have it and watch as he takes care of those situations. And it's hard to do. I, I mean, I struggle here, okay? Two Fridays ago, so this is this is current Brian Peart life. Two two Fridays ago, I had a horrible day. Probably one of the worst days I can remember. Multiple, multiple denials, deals deals rolling. It was it was a very, very bad day. So I'm driving home and I'm 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 like, you know what, I'm just not gonna do anything tonight. I'm just gonna kind of sulk and and what I typically do when when a day like that goes is I I get by myself and then I just start thinking through what can I do different, what can I do better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and sometimes that's good. But a lot of times what I'm really doing is trying to figure out how to control the situation so what happened never happens again. That's really about control. That's not really about trusting in the Lord. As I get home, a storm had come through and the power was out. So I couldn't do what I wanted to do, which was go in the hot tub and with a, a glass of wine and sulk. Um, so, so there was nothing to do, but it was still daylight. There was still light out. So I just sat in a chair in my garage waiting for the power to come back on. And um, my mom texts me and she says, are you busy right now? And I'm like, well, actually, no, I'm sitting around doing nothing. Right. So, so she calls me and she had some, she needed some counsel on some things. So I'm sharing it, talking to her. We talked for about an hour and I'm helping her with a couple things. As soon as we hang up, the power goes back on the song. It's a beautiful day by U2 comes on and I was in a whole different place because I just spent an hour helping someone that I love, right? So, so I was no longer all sulking about how bad my day was. I had just served someone else. I had loved on others, and I was in a totally different place. And then to see God actually turn on the, the – the, I mean, it was the moment I hung up. My, my task was done. God wanted that, that power off just so that I could be available for my mother. So when you think about it on a big level, he cares so much about... Now, we weren't solving world hunger. We weren't doing any big conversations. We were talking about little things, you know, that, but they're big to my mom, and they're big to God, too, who's got the whole world, and yet he's, he, our little foibles are important to him. He, he cares about all those little things. And I just, I just started rejoicing because... You know, more and more, God's showing me that that I'm learning to just take things as they come. If something come, happens and I don't like what's happening, just roll with it. Trust God that he's going to work it out. And it's hard for a control freak, but it's vital and it's pretty fun. And so that's something that God's working on me with is, is to just roll with things and not try to control everything and, and just allow disruptions and things like that to actually be impetuses for for growth and for seeing God actively work in our lives. It's it's really awesome. So a great question to ask yourself is, 
who am I? Okay, we're talking about identity and we're talking about um, that. I'm not talking about your roles like a father, mother, your career, but your identity. Who am I? What do my actions say about me? What is the deep thing that I'm clinging to that's, that's an identity that's false? You know, for 20 years as a Christian, it took me 20 years as a Christian to finally believe what God told me, which is that I'm a new creation. Deep down, I had this identity that I harbored. It stemmed from childhood that I was never enough, that I wasn't good enough. And so though I professed Christ with my lips, deep down I didn't feel worthy of his love. I was always trying to clean up, trying to prove that I was a good Christian, that I was enough. And it was a flawed identity. It doesn't, it doesn't honor Christ. A.W. Tozer says, The essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. To think rightly about God is an important sense to have everything right. So if I'm made in his image, as he says I am, and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, as he says I am, and I'm a co-heir with Christ, and he calls me friend, then how dare I harbor thoughts of not being good enough? I was clinging to an old identity, a false identity. Instead of identifying with Christ, instead of building on the rock, I was claiming this shifting sand identity from, from way back in the day. So who is Christ? You know, who, who is this person that we're identifying with? So who was Christ? We must identify with the total reality of Christ and what he says, not just the comfortable portions that we relate to, okay? Christ was a humble servant, and people who don't feel loved or adored by God may, may, may see that part and, and be okay with acknowledging that humble servant part, right? And he was a humble servant. In Philippians 2.8, it says, Christ, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Jesus himself claims in Matthew twenty twenty eight, he said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then his actions showed that he was humble as well as he washed his disciples' feet. But Christ also was king and Lord. In Philippians 2, 9 and 10, it said, Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Jesus himself said in Matthew twenty eight eighteen, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And his actions showed it as he allowed Mary to break an expensive perfume and pour it over um, his feet and wipe his, his feet with her hair. And he was holy. He was without sin. He raised the bar for us in the Sermon on the Mount when he taught that even sinful thoughts are sin. And then he challenged us to be perfect. And then we're not alone. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us and be a constant comforter and guide. So if this Jesus is inside of us, and the Bible clearly says he is when we accept him into our hearts, then how dare we think of ourselves with these false identities often born out of great drama from the past. I think it comes down to belief. We simply don't believe what Jesus says about us, and it manifests in many ways. We can sabotage ourselves, okay? We sabotage ourselves. When things are going good, we start sabotaging. Maybe it's a relationship we sabotage. Or For me, I unconsciously did this for years in my business. I would get my business really humming, and then once it started humming, I would start a new revenue stream or start something different. And, and I was taking away, instead of resting in the success, I was starting something new. It was a subtle form of sabotage. I could explain it away. It sounded good. I was adding multiple revenue streams. But really what I was doing was trying to 
uh, sabotage my business because somewhere deep down inside of me, I still believe that I didn't deserve it or that I wasn't worth it. And so if things are going good, be still, okay? When things are being going good in your life, Listen to Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Okay? Enjoy the blessings of the Lord when things are going good. It's huge. But don't go the other way either. Okay? Don't go to the other extreme. Bragging on your successes as proof of your Christianity. Okay? I was I was that way early in the 2000s. Like a teenage boy. You see a teenage boy is always bragging on himself. He's really actually insecure. And the bragging is is there to cover up the insecurity. Okay? And I, and I see this happen a lot, and people point to the blessings of God to cover up uh, a deep insecurity. There's a big difference between humbly thanking the Lord for, for all his goodness, okay, and then telling the world how much he's blessing you. The first, the, the focus isn't on God, it's on you. And I was guilty of this for many years. So, so everything I'm talking here man, I'm there with you. I'm, I'm learning and growing just like you. But at the root of both of these manifestations, both bragging and sabotage, is a, a clinging to a flawed identity that's not even Christ. We have to open up the deep hurt to the loving Father and let him perform surgery on our spiritual heart. This is probably another podcast because we can really go down a, a rabbit hole on this, but it comes down to belief. We must believe what God says about us and stand on that solid rock. Without belief, deep down belief in our hearts, we don't cross over to the easy yoke. We're adopted children of Christ, but if we don't believe, we miss out on the fullness of the relationship. I'll give you an example. I adopted two boys, okay? So I have six kids total. I've known these twins. They're 14 now. I've known them since they were five. It was about six years ago that I adopted them. Now, their birth certificates say that I'm their father. The law says that I'm their father. My um, will says that I'm their father because they get one-sixth of everything, each one of them. So the law says I'm their father. My heart beats for them. I love them just as much as my other kids. I really do. Uh, Only a parent can know that, but, but, but like my heart beats for them equally. And yet, they still can't call me dad yet because... In some level, the past of a man that didn't want him, okay, is something there's still an identity there, okay, somewhere deep down inside. Now, I can't force this relationship. I just have to keep trying to spend time with them. Um, But until they believe in their hearts that I'm their dad to the level where they can feel comfortable going down and and grabbing something from the fridge like any of our kids would do um, without asking permission to grab a bottle of water, until they embrace it in their hearts that they're truly dad, that Abba father relationships not going to quite be there. And, and again, I can't force it. All I can do is spend time with them. But many Christians are in the same boat. Okay. God's word, the law says that we're adopted into his family. God's heart shows over and over in little things like, like what he did for my mom, you know, taking the power out so I could be available. Um, he shows over and over. You've had experiences with, with the Lord where he showed you his love and his tenderness, okay? God's heart says it. My heart says it. Um, but we still cling to an old belief. Maybe the bad stuff's harder to believe or, you know, easier to believe, I mean. But at the end of the day, it's a lie. We just have to believe the truth. We don't have to believe something that's a lie. We just have to believe the truth. The truth is we're fearfully and 
wonderfully made. The truth is God adores us. The truth is we are precious in his sight. We need to quiet ourselves before God and spend time with him, quiet time, to allow him to heal us. My boys need to spend more time with me. Us Christians need to spend more time quietly with the Father. I'm not talking about busy, 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 listening to podcasts and letting other people talk at you, talk at you. I'm talking about get alone with God, Bible in you, and just quiet time, and let him do the conviction and the deep work that he wants to do. Okay, not staying so busy that we avoid church and fellowship with other believers, but actually take the time to be part of the body of Christ. Most Christians have head knowledge. They know the Lord died for them, but we need to slow down and get that head knowledge down to the heart, into heart knowledge. Time alone dwelling on God, letting him in will allow him time he needs to heal that wound. Quietly meditating on his word will allow you to slowly believe, really believe that what he says about you is true. Christ says all things are possible to him who believes. So going back to where we started in Matthew 7, Jesus said those who hear my words and apply them will be like a house built on the rock. Jesus tells us who we are, and he tells us what we're to do, love God and love others. We just need to apply it. Spend, so, so spend some time alone. Get alone with God. Ask him to reveal the identities and the idols that, you, that are keeping you from the true identity in Christ. Let him remove it. Pray for him to take it away and replace it with your true identity. That's the rock that won't fail you. The government, it's going to fail you. Your wealth, it's going to fail you. Those false identities, however they're manifested, they'll fail you. They're all shifting sands. As things get worse in America and and unfortunately, they are going to get worse in America. Um, don't cling harder to false identities, okay? Let go and let God. Only one thing will not fail you, and that's Jesus Christ, the rock. He tells us to love God and love others and to trust him. It's pretty simple. That should be the identity that we're striving for. That's what leads to a great life. Take care and God bless.